you know Moses' story. You might remember it began in Exodus chapter 2, actually. Moses was born, and he was put in a basket and floated down the Nile River and ended up being raised by the princess of Egypt. You remember that, right? And of course, decades later, decades and decades later, Moses becomes the great liberator of the Hebrew people, leading them out of slavery in Egypt and leading them out into the wilderness over to Mount Sinai, where then Moses goes up the mountain and receives the Ten Commandments, and then the credits roll. Thank you, Charlton Heston. But that's not actually where Moses' journey ends. Anybody else see that movie growing up? Yeah? (laughs) That's really just the first half of Moses' story, though. Next, Moses then leads the people through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. That's what the last part of the book of Exodus and then into Leviticus and the stories of Numbers are all about. For a long, long time, Moses leads the people. And Moses is leading them through the wilderness, which is this time for them to come to know this God of their ancestors, the God that delivered them out of Egypt. And during all of that time, you'll remember there is manna and there's quail and there's snakes And there are battles, and there's grumbling, and there's the Ark of the Covenant, and there's water that comes forth from rocks. There are so many stories, so many memories, so much learning together. Moses is learning with, along with the people until finally it's time for a new chapter in the great story of this people. That's what brings us to Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy. It begins as they are just camped out, just outside of the promised land, just east of the Jordan River before they cross over. But before they can cross over the Jordan River, before they can take this new step into this whole new part of their story, Moses has to say his goodbyes. That's what the entire book of Deuteronomy is about. It's actually just one really long-winded goodbye. And in this goodbye... Moses keeps reminding them of all that they have experienced together, and he's trying to instill in them some of those key things that they've learned together in all those years, the things that the people are going to need to remember as they move into the next chapter of their story when he is no longer with them. Now, I'm no Moses, but I do just keep thinking about how we find ourselves in a very similar moment together. We have been through so many beautiful and inspiring moments together. And I think we all have learned a lot about this God of ours along the way. We've learned from one another. We've learned from where our journey has taken us. And there are so many stories that we could tell, so many memories to cherish about our life together in these last 10 years. And There are such good things just on the horizon for Dayspring. I can see them across the waters there. Only I'm not going to be the leader that gets to take us into this next part of Dayspring's story. My time is coming to an end, as you know. But before it does, 
there are some things that I really want to remind you about and to instill deeper into you, things that I think you will need to remember as you journey into this next chapter of Dayspring Story when I am no longer here. And that is what this sermon series, Dayspring 101, is really all about. In a very small way, it's my attempt at a Deuteronomy to pass on to you. And so chapter one was all about our core belief as Dayspring, our theology that holds this diverse place together. We believe that following Jesus is central and everything else is secondary. Chapter two was about our ethos, the character of Dayspring. We're a church that's open in heart and mind. It's the kind of Jesus followers we strive to be. That's our ethos. Chapter three today is about the spirituality of Dayspring, a spirituality centered really around seeking to know and to experience and to live from the mysterious reality of God's life and love in this world. Or as we said it at the beginning of our service, as followers of Jesus Christ, open in heart and mind, we are seeking God. And it strikes me that this is very similar to the same thing that Moses calls the people to in his farewell speech. It's actually the most quoted and memorized thing that Moses ever said or taught. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's known as the Shema. It's the central confession for the Jewish people. The Lord is one. God is one. The great I am who met Moses at the burning bush is the singular reality. There is only one to which you owe your life. There is only one who is the source of all salvation. There is only one that has created you and has also called you. There is only one who is the ground of all being, all existence. There is only one from which all life and love and goodness flow into this world. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, Moses said. And millions upon millions of people from every generation since then have quoted and remembered and said that together. But that's not where they stopped. It's not where Moses stopped, is it? The very next thing that Moses says goes hand in hand with it. And it's what Jesus, of course, later calls the great central commandment. You, then, shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all your strength, Moses said. And later Jesus said. And then even said that everything else rests right there on that. The Lord is one, so love the Lord your God with all that you are. And I think that is the very essence of Dayspring's spirituality. We, as a church, are a people who gather because we long to know more clearly and to live from and to love the one God who is the source of all things just as Jesus did. That is, after all, what Jesus was like, right? I mean, think about all that you know and you have learned about Jesus along the way. The way he had such intimacy with God. The way he lived out God's life in the world. 
Jesus was so profoundly aware of God's presence within him and all around him and lived from a deep, profound connection with Abba, his loving father. And he was full of the life of God, the spirit of God that was in him, and it was filling him, and it was driving him in all that he did. And everywhere Jesus went, he was enacting the shalom of God, or what Jesus called the kingdom of God. Remember all those stories where Jesus is healing and teaching and disrupting and welcoming. The way he heals blind Bartimaeus and heals the bent-over woman on the Sabbath. The way he eats and laughs and celebrates with tax collectors and prostitutes and the unclean. The way he has forbidden conversations with people like the woman at the well. His healing of the bleeding woman before he gets to Jairus' daughter. The garrison demoniac, the touching of the lepers, the arguing with the Pharisees and the establishment, refusing to abide by the status quo, turning over tables in the temple, everywhere Jesus went, he was enacting shalom. He's trying to bring about the dream of God for the world. And he's doing that from a place of deep awareness and connection with God. And he's driven in all of it, not by some ego need to be right, not even by a need to make the world perfect, but he's driven by the life-giving presence of God within him. He's driven by love. And we here at Dayspring, I think, are a people who want to be like that, and that's what shapes our spirituality. We long to know and to live from and to love the one God who is the source of all reality, just as Jesus did. And we're not the only ones who've had that longing along the way. It's actually the very same longing I think we hear from the Apostle Paul late in Paul's life. Late in his life, he's sitting in a Roman jail cell as he writes the letter to the Philippians, this congregation that is especially meaningful to Paul's heart. And as Paul's writing this letter there in the jail cell late in his life, he gets about halfway through the letter, what we call chapter 3, and Paul starts to reflect back over his own life, his own mistakes and his desires and the things that have driven him and all that he has been and all that he has done. And that's where he starts to say, more than anything else, more than anything that I could have been or I have been, I simply want to know Christ. That same Christ life that was in Jesus and the power of that death and resurrection that we find in Jesus. And that's not something I've already obtained or become or accomplished, Paul writes, there near the end of his life. But it is something I strive after because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And so I press on towards that goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It seems to me that's Paul's very personal and heartfelt way of saying the very same thing that Moses spoke about as he gave his Deuteronomy speech on the east side of the Jordan River before he said his last goodbye. Love the Lord your God with 
all that you are, that's all that really matters. Everything else will fall in place if we do that. And here at Dayspring, of course, that's also woven into our vision statement. Maybe it's been a while since you've read that vision statement on the back of our worship guide. It's woven into our vision, and we've said it's central to who we are and who we want to be. Before we do anything as a church, we are seeking God. And you know, about six months before the pandemic hit, or just theirs about, we said that we wanted to do that by putting spiritual formation at the center of everything we do as a church. It was this really long statement, remember, that we came about as we discussed our dreams and our desires and our hopes for us as a church. We said that we, we want to be this thriving church producing kingdom fruit. And we believe we can do that by living more fully into our mission statement as followers of Jesus Christ, open in heart and mind. We are seeking God by putting spiritual formation at the center of all we do. That's what we said was the heart of our desires for us as our church. And then we also said some things about practicing peace and the way we're going to do that and creating community. I'm going to talk about those things in the next couple weeks. But at first thing we said was we would be seeking God by making spiritual formation center because that spiritual formation, remember, it's not just about what we learn. It's not just about what we do as important as those things are. It's about who we are, the kind of people we're becoming. And I've taught about that along the way. Spiritual formation is this ongoing journey of becoming like Christ. It's the same journey that Paul describes about when he says, it's not something I've obtained, but it's something I press on towards, this goal, this upward call of God. And you know, our, our spiritual formation, who we become, it happens more and more as we come to know and live from and love the one God who is the source of all things just as Jesus did. And there's a lot of ways that we can be attentive to that as a church. But one of the central ways is in our gathering for worship and then our gathering around this table. Remember in the Gospels, how I've said that tables are always a sacred place Tables are the place of friendship and joy and stories and remembering and laughter and connection. And so tables are where Jesus meets people and relationships are changed. Tables are where shalom happens and is created. Tables are where the resurrected Jesus often appears to the disciples. And tables were the place and still are the place where the Jewish people remember their ancient story of God's deliverance out of Egypt and all that Moses had led them through and all that Moses had taught them. That remembering happens around a table. And then Jesus, on his very last night with his disciples, when he wanted to pass on his own version of a Deuteronomy with his disciples, what he did was met them around a table. And he said, essentially, that at the table, everything that you need to know and remember is here. 
here at the table. And he made this table now also about his life and his death and his resurrection and all that life that we can know together. And so for us, this table is one of those key places where we come to know and live from and love God, just as Jesus did. And so today, we're going to do that again. We're going to meet around the table from a distance (laughs) with our elements that we have brought together. But to help us to really prepare for that, I want to invite us to sing that song we just sang, Make Us All, We're Meant to Be One More Time, to, to help us remember that that's what's happening at the table that we're opening ourselves up to receive the life of Christ into our own bodies, becoming who God has created us to be. So we're going to sing that in just a moment, again, in rounds. But before we do, I want to ask you to pray with me. Oh God, we open our lives now to your life. Fill what is empty in us. Soften what is hard. Strengthen what is fragile in us. Enliven what is withered. Heal what is wounded. Help us as individuals, and as a church to become all that you have created us to be. We ask this in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.